Today on the show, we're talking about the true cost of home improvements. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney. I'm joined with Trevor. Thank you so much for being here with us this week as we talk about the true cost of home improvements. So just to lead into this episode, I have a great quote, actually, and Trevor said this while we were making the outline for today's episode, and it is, it's not how much you put into it, it's how much someone is willing to pay. And Trevor said this, and I I loved it because I thought it really just led into this episode so nicely. Yeah, home improvements, if you think about owning a house, most people talk about their house as an investment, but it's also a place to live. And it's it's a balancing act. To some people, your your house is more of an investment, meaning that it's more of an investment vehicle. And how you approach home improvements, and how you view your your house is kind of the the one of the keys to this whole episode. So, Trevor, before we even get into the brunt of this episode, let's just talk about why the idea of home improvements at home, and why we're even having that kind of conversation today. Well, I think people can lose their minds on home improvements, and it, it, it I, I, I'm going to say this over and over in the episode, is home improvements, it's primarily a lifestyle decision. It's rarely, it, it's a tiny bit investment and a big piece of lifestyle. Let's jump right in, and it's going to start, again, overarching, because that's how we always lead into our shows, just this overarching concept, and the first one is of the concept between a house and a home. So at first, uh, when you listen to that, you might think, okay, there's not much of a difference, but can you just kind of walk our listeners through how there is actually, in reality, a very vast difference between the two, a house and a home? So a house is an inanimate object. It is is a structure, a building. It's, for some people, an investment. That's a house. And it has very little emotional attachment. On the other hand, a home, which if you look at your, your investment, your, your, your house as a home, it's a place you feel safe and secure and comfortable in. And how you approach home improvements really determines. How, so everybody has a house and a home. It's the same building, but they view it. Sometimes they view it as a home and sometimes they view it as a house at different times, and or maybe they, they always see it as a home and never as a house. But how you approach home improvements, it probably is closely tied to whether you view it as a house or a home. Are you willing to lay down right now which one you believe is the better view, viewpoint to look at your the structure you live within? So he, this is a great example. So when I, when I bought the house I was in, I had a very young family. I was searching for a home. I wanted a, a not enough space for everyone could have their own bedroom. We wouldn't be tripping over each other. I wanted a room where we could all gather and, and, and as a family and maybe enjoy a, a movie or something. And the kitchen had to be big enough where we could all eat at the table and share our stories of the day. And I, I wanted it to be on a quiet street so we could play road hockey. So all those are home-like things, that qualities I was looking for. And now... I'm an empty nester, and my I view my house more as as an as a house. I'm trying to prepare it to to be sold, and I want to sort of maximize my my return on this house. So, just from hearing that, never once did you say 
did you mention the actual countertops that you had or or what kind of flooring you had you mo like i'm just thinking that when you're raising your young family in there never once did they did your four-year-old daughter or 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 four-year-old son ever stop and say dad why don't we have granite countertops or why don't we have this and so it it really kind of emphasizes how the distinction between a house versus a home yeah so a home is where memories are created and you raise a family, it's like I said at the beginning, it's it's a place where you can feel safe and secure and comfortable. That is a home. A house to me is is a an investment tool. Before we move past this this, this concept, I, I wanna ask you, do you think if you didn't have a family, do you think your view of homes would still be as it stands today, that a home is for living and a house is a house? Do you think you would still want a home versus a house? If I was going to stay here for any length of time, even as an empty nester, I'd still want to feel comfortable, safe, and secure. And I would seek out to modify my home to feel that way. Uh, it, it really depends on, on how long you plan to stay in it. And, and for me, this is becoming feeling very temporary. Because when I, I just, one last kind of analogy that just popped into my head before we move on. And it's just that a home reminds me of kind of a, a comfy worn and pair of jeans like one that just stretched the perfect stretch that you just love to put on and a house reminds me of maybe that that more more fashion forward jean that you put on that to go out that you can't wait to take off when you get home and I think that that really is kind of the analogy that pops into my head when I think of a house versus a home yeah that is actually a really really good analogy because I, I could visualize that quite well so we've kind of talked about what a house first home is. Let's actually get now into the core of today's episode. So we titled this episode today, Home Improvements, but there's more than just home improvements. There's home repair too. And I mean, we might use these two words interchangeably, but Trevor, can you maybe walk us through first how you would define home repair? So home repair is really you're, you're, you're fixing or replacing an existing, to restore your house back to its original state. So um, a good example for me was uh, when I moved to my house, it had a, a wooden privacy fence all the way around. And it turns out the, the, po- the, the, and the fence was in good condition, but the posts were all leaning every which way. And it turns out the person who put the fence in didn't uh, cement the posts in. And I personally think there should be jail time for anybody who puts up a fence and doesn't cement in the posts. But that's another <laughs> podcast. So I I was faced with either tearing that fence down or somehow shoring up the posts. And so I went on to my friend YouTube and I found where if you uh, dig, you know, a, a sort of expanded hole around each post and you dump in water in, in quick set concrete and then sh- the post sets up in, I don't know, 15 minutes. And I did that to all the posts. It took me a weekend. And so to tear down that fence that would have been a home improvement and put up a new one. Even though the the existing, there was a fence there, I probably would have put in a, a fancier fence. But I, I took what was there and I fixed it. You know, I, I, I brought it back to its original purpose. And to me, that, that was the epitome of a home repair. Uh, a lot of times home repair is, is in the infrastructure of your house, meaning the, the water system, the uh, heating system, maybe the roof. A lot of times when you do home repair, you, you will have, you know, gained no, not much cosmetic value. 
and not much functional functional value. So you you will have your home will have you're really maintaining the home's value. If you don't do the repair, your home actually devalues. So I, th- that seems pretty straightforward and self-explanatory. I mean, I, I'm sure we can think of thousands of examples of things that count as home repair. Let's talk a little bit about, and again, what the show is dedicated to, home improvement. So can you talk a little bit, can you define that first? Because we're going to spend this whole episode talking about home improvement. So can you just define it and maybe some examples? So to me, a home improvement can be broken into two categories. There's a a functional home improvement and a cosmetic home improvement. And an example of a, a functional home improvement might be if you install a, a gas fireplace where you didn't have one before. That is functional in that it'll heat a room and it looks nice. So in cosmetic home improvements are uh, maybe hardwood floors. So you, you just say you had laminate floors and you replaced with hardwood floors. Well, you had a floor before, now you've got another floor. It just looks nicer. So that that's like a cosmetic home improvement. So if if we we if we look then to compare home improvement home repair, home repairs are I would deem as completely necessary. I mean, you need to heat your home, you need running water, you need that roof over your house. Would you say that would you say that any home improvements are therefore maybe not needed or needed in specific cases such as when you're selling your home? Well, a lot of times a home improvement can, uh, a home repair can turn into a home improvement. And I, I, I've, this has happened to me and I'm sure it's happened to everybody where you, you know, you have a leaking faucet and before you know it, you have a, a whole new bathroom and, and it, it's just because it, it sort of evolved on its own. But it, the home repairs are absolutely required. Your, your home will basically deteriorate without without doing them and a home improvement is is something that a lot of people you know will do it thinking and i'm doing these air quotes that it will increase the value of their home but it won't well it will i mean there's lots of statistics that you know if you if you upgrade a bathroom you'll you'll recoup 60 percent of the the cost of of that bathroom if you were to sell your home that that means forty percent of that is is what I call lifestyle expense, and I, I don't know if I agree with it completely. And I, I'm going to throw an example: like a new kitchen for my house would cost about thirty thousand dollars. I mean, you, that that's sort of a middle of the road number, brand new kitchen. That's a cabinets, appliances, floors, lighting, everything, probably plumbing. Uh, thirty thousand dollars. Well, I don't think I would get another. $20,000 for my house because it had a new kitchen. I mean, I'm just not seeing that that, that discrepancy in prices of houses in my neighborhood. Yeah, let's let's talk about that for a minute. So when you when you talk about the keep like being with the houses in your neighborhood, I think that's a good point because if you're living in a certain in a neighborhood with a certain demographic and a certain um, income level. I mean, all those homes are going to look the same. The people who live in that neighborhood are going to probably have similar jobs, a similar income. So, to your point, if if this one home is is kind of out of place, and the things within that home is out of are out of place, again, you're right. Like it's not going to match what the rest of the houses in the market are going for. Well, if I if I looked at the what houses are selling for in my neighborhood over say the last year and a half, 
And if I'm looking at comparable homes, I'm not seeing a, a twenty or twenty-five thousand dollars discrepancy between the the lowest the, the house that sold for the lowest amount versus the house that sold for the highest. I might be see, see five to seven thousand dollars discrepancy, and who knows what motivated that higher price? It could be just the market inflating, but I I just I don't think I could ask an extra twenty thousand dollars for my house because it had a new kitchen. I, I don't think anyone would pay it. I, I'd love to ask it, but. So just for our listeners too, we do have a few articles we want to touch on in a bit as well, where it's actually, there were really interesting articles where it actually kind of cites the the percentage of the return on investment you'll get when you sell your home. And and I found the numbers really interesting. So we're going to get to that. But first, Trevor, I just... Well, I I just want to say, you know, I talked about a new kitchen and I can appreciate a new kitchen and I'm not against home improvements. But I, I, the, the whole purpose of this episode is to, to draw the attention that most home improvements are a lifestyle, a lifestyle cost or a lifestyle decision, like buying a fancier car or, or going on a, on a vacation. If you put in a $30,000 kitchen, you're not going to get $30,000 back for it. And you, you, if you, another thing is if you put in a $30,000 kitchen, it's worth $30,000 when you put it in. Once you start using that kitchen a year, year and a half, two years later, that's not a new kitchen anymore and it's not worth $30,000 anymore. You've used up some of this value by just using that kitchen. So I think that if you could get back half of what you put in the kitchen, that's a $15,000 lifestyle choice you've made in, in, in upgrading your kitchen. And if you're going to stay in that house and live in it and enjoy that kitchen, that's probably a great lifestyle decision. If, if, particularly if you like cooking and spending time in your kitchen. But if you're doing that and then you're going to turn around and sell your house in two years, I think that's a horrible decision. And, and that, was, that was my very next question was that if, if you are someone who has pride in your home and, and making, improving your home with kitchen improvements and, and bathroom improvements, if that's something that brings you pleasure and joy and is, a, it is in line essentially with your long-term goals and it would be perfectly okay. Yeah, you just have to make sure you're doing it. You know, it aligns with your lifestyle choices. It w- would with that same philosophy then about home improvements apply for both functional and cosmetic home improvements, or or is there is there a distinction between the two when it comes to to when you should invest in in both? Well, you know, you could look at a pool in your backyard as a functional home improvement. But there's a lot of people I know that that will avoid houses with pools. So they, that actually, in their eyes, it actually devalues the home. And I bought a house that had two gas fireplaces in it. And I don't understand it. Like, if I turn on the gas fireplace, the, the room I'm in becomes too hot to be in. So I don't actually, my next house, I, I won't, I don't value a gas fireplace at all. I I don't know if it would devalue, but it's not going to it's not going to increase the value in my eyes as the buyer. So functional home improvements, they they generally cost more, and they're a lot of them are fairly unique. Like they're not if if it wasn't a unique thing to a house, it, it would almost like a kitchen sink is not unique. That's not a functional home improvement. Every house has one. You expect one in every house. So if you put in a functional home improvement. It, actually, a better example is air conditioning. Almost every house I see now comes with air conditioning. It's almost an expectation. So if 
if you put that home improvement in your house air conditioning, you're probably going to get a better return. Now, when it comes to cosmetic home improvement, well, let's take let's take the kitchen sink. I I think that's a cosmetic. Well, or where do, where would that fall? Would that fall as a functional or a cosmetic home improvement? Well, every house is supposed to have a kitchen sink, so to me, that's not. But a home if you take it out but and if, put it in, say, a nicer and quote unquote nicer or better kitchen sink, then that would count as a cosmetic home improvement. Well, and if it's a sink that maybe has, uh, you know, a special drain tray or. Um, a, a, I don't know, a, a sink that has some functional, you know, maybe a, a, a more functional faucet or something. It, it could be functional, a functional home improvement. But the, the people, somebody else has to value that as much as you did for you to even think of recouping some of your investment. I, I want to talk about that right there. And that I think this episode and, and everything that you've said this far really just bursts the the bubble that lies around the mar- around selling your home and preparing your home for market and 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 what that pertains because I I think when you think of selling your home I mean you may get overwhelmed with all the home repairs that are that should be done but also the home improvements that people people do to their home to to get it ready to sell. Well, there's things you you know you should do like you should paint your house before you sell it. The cost of paint is fairly insignificant, and I think it it the appearance of your home it looks cleaner and and fresher. So you, you probably recoup that. Before we move on any farther, I want to ask you. You know, I wanted to make one more comment with, with home improvements. If you I go back to the kitchen, if you put in a thirty thousand dollars kitchen and just say you got thirty thousand dollars back on your house, you didn't gain anything because you had to part with thirty thousand dollars to increase the value of your home, $30,000. So you're not really any further ahead from an investment, return on investment standpoint. From that standpoint, yes. But I think, I mean, I, I do want to reiterate the point that for any of our listeners who have pride, like want to put that $30,000 kitchen in and will personally enjoy it because they're going to live there for another 10 years and, and, and that's a part of their lifestyle. I think that's absolutely fine. As a lifestyle decision, know that you're making a lifestyle decision. It's pure expense. There's no investment here. Don't fool yourself. There, there's a, a small piece of investment, especially as you described, if you plan to live there for another 10 years and enjoy that kitchen, well, that won't be a new kitchen anymore. Oh, exactly, exactly. So I have a question for you, but before I even ask that question, I want you to lay kind of the the foundation or the groundwork of of what your home looks like and and just so our listeners can I mean for any of our listeners who are just tuning in Trevor drives to how old are how old are your cars Trevor? One's thirteen years old and one's eleven. Right, like that that's impressive. That's I just I can't I can, I can never believe that. But so that's kind of your car story. So our listeners kind of have an appreciation of where you come from when you talk about kind of more of the car side and. And, and, and if we, we had an episode on used cars, so that's, there's a great appreciation there, but can you kind of lay down the, what, what your home looks like? And, and so our listeners can kind of grasp about where you're, where you're coming from and and your perspective. So I, I live in a house that's about 30 years old. It has four bedrooms, nothing fancy, air conditioning, gas heat. I have three bathrooms, uh, a dining room, eating kitchen, living room, family room. And a car and a half garage. Definitely sounds like a true home. Have you added any 
added anything to it that changes maybe the structural integrity of it? So one thing we did is is uh, it's a I, I put in a sort of a, a door out the back of my house. So I had a door put in garden a garden door that re- goes out to a patio that goes it's sort of a sunk in patio. So that was one home improvement I did. And that actually leads me to my next question because maybe that will be your answer to it. But has there ever been an impro- an home improvement that you're glad you did? And, and to flip that on its end, is there one that you regret doing? So the one with the patio, that was about, a, I'm going to say it was a, maybe an $8,000 investment. So we, we had to have a hole cut in the wall, a door put in, and a, this sunken interlocking brick patio put in. We had that done about 12 years ago. And my family enjoy, has enjoyed it immensely. It, it's changed the whole dynamic of the house. So it, it was money well spent. The only regret I have is I didn't do it sooner. I wish I would have did it the day I moved in. So that's that's the one uh, home improvement I did in this house that that I should have done from day one. Now here's a, a home improvement I did that I wish I didn't was the house before the house I'm in now I put in hardwood floors in the living room and dining room. And I put it in myself, so there's some sweat equity went into it. And I ended up moving, uh, for job-related reasons, a year later. So there's no way I recouped the cost of those floors. At the time when you put those floors in was, I mean, laminate technology has come along so far. Was laminate a viable option at the time, or did you just want to have really nice hardwood floors? I always wanted hardwood floors, and after I put them in, I realized just how fragile they are. I, I had young kids at the time, and they seemed to choose to drop every sharp, pointed object they could find on that floor, and it just drove me crazy. So I, I'm, in a way, I'm glad I ended up leaving that floor behind because it was going to get destroyed eventually. Did, I, and it sounds like that must have taught you a little bit about kind of the house-first-home mentality and, and how a home becomes this... I mean, I, I can just imagine hearing that, like your dinner table or, or your coffee tables and how they uh, weathered the the storm of having kids. Well, you know, I was it was creating an environment where I was asking my kids to, you know, not use part of the house where, where that hardwood floor was. When it, I was ba- basically sh- shrinking the environment they could live in, which seemed crazy at the time. You know, if you, if you got young kids, the last thing you want to do is constrain where they can go. I mean, the house seems small enough as it is. And then if you tell them they, they can't go in these rooms, you've made the house smaller. Again, it kind of just defeats, again, the purpose of having this this place, this environment to raise a family. You know, people talk about houses, you know, when, when people refer to their net worth, you know, their, their personal balance sheet. They always include the, not I don't know anybody who doesn't include the value of their home in that net worth. And unless you plan to sell that, that, that house and profit from it, I think it has no business being on your balance sheet. Maybe the closer you get to selling it, then you can start including it. But for me, I've never included it because it's always been a home. It's always been a place to live. I've, I've never looked at my house as an investment as a as an asset that that I could you know convert into money until now when I have more house than I need that's that's such an in like it's such a great perspective that I've never really thought about before in that it's it's simply just kind of this box that you live in and and, and really nothing more until like you said you're ready to sell it now 
Wow. You know, that's, I, I love that perspective. And it's, I think it's one that maybe a lot of other people could, could benefit from thinking about that way. Because again, we actually, this is a perfect time to talk about this, but kind of the whole concept of how home improvements has turned into this mass marketing strategy to get people to spend money on, on, on their home. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's kind of a generational thing. If I look back to my grandparents, they never did any home improvements. They, they strictly did home repairs. I don't remember them ever, you know, redoing a bathroom or redoing a kitchen. Their, their kitchens were the same kitchens that, that I had seen through my whole childhood. And they were quite fine. And if you think of the, the cult that has been built up over time, so Home Depot and Lowe's, those are home improvement stores. They didn't exist 40 years ago. I don't even, they probably didn't exist in Canada 30 years ago. You know, there was hardware stores, there was lumber stores, but not these home centers, you know, that, that they, all they do is, is, is sell things to, for people to do home improvements. And, and they've all, you know, this HGTV, they've created a TV show. I mean, a whole uh, network on, on home improvements and they've, you know, homes on homes, Mike Holmes, they've created stars, like literally celebrities around the home improvement movement. And they, they've glorified this into something. And, and in some ways they've, they've kind of shamed you in, if you buy into this cult thing, they shamed you into, you know, not having granite countertops, you know, you, you, you should be ashamed of, of laminate countertops. Oh, just like, just look at the before, the shows that there's a before and after. I mean, the the before, if you have anything that looks like the before in your real life, yeah, you're shamed for having that. Well, and I hear people at work, they talk about these HGTV shows like it was a, a drama on TV unfolding and, and they're, oh my God, did you, did you see that house before and after? Like it was, it was a moving moment for these people. And then take it one step farther and, I think this whole the whole idea of home improvements it's everywhere. I mean, I'm I'm sure all our listeners have been to maybe IKEA and you in in order to even get to the space in IKEA where you can purchase um purchase things, you have to walk through the IKEA showrooms and the showrooms are for any of our listeners who maybe haven't been there the showrooms are just uh, model bedrooms and living spaces and kitchens and dining rooms and, and, and basically every space in a home where, I mean, you can have Ikea furniture and accessories in that space. And you walk through that and they're very, they're very uh, lifelike and they, you, it really could be your own space. But you look around and and that's just and I think we can lose touch with how much that actually is a showroom and not an actual living space. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And. And the more people that succumb to that marketing and, 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 you know, create the perfect Ikea room or the Ikea kitchen, the more that becomes the norm and everything else is subpar. Like if I think of right now, you know, if you watch HGTV, you should be ashamed if you don't have granite countertops. Well, the reality is, okay, I can appreciate granite countertops. They look beautiful, but they are overkill. I mean, if... If a, if a fire over destroyed my home, I guarantee the granite countertops would still look pristine in, in all that rubble. They're, they're the 
the biggest overkill home improvement out but, there. But like you said, they're the norm. That's 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 what you should aspire to have. And I, I just, again, it's just setting the stage for people my age and, and even in people your age who are maybe looking to downsize who thinks that their home isn't worthy unless they have X, Y, and Z. Like, I, I am not against all these improvements. Like, I, I can appreciate granite countertops. I can appreciate $400 toilets. Actually, <laughs> I can't, but I, I can appreciate uh, an Ikea, the perfect Ikea room. But just know you're making a lifestyle decision. It's, it is pure expense. The investment portion is and, tiny. And, and, you know, and you, just know about why you are doing what you do if you do want to improve your home through home improvements. I mean, are you doing it for yourself because this will make you happy? Or are you succumbing to societal peer pressure and what you think your home should look like? Well, and I think that's a lot of it. And I think... We talk about having a plan. So if I were to put in a $30,000 kitchen, I, I, I would know at some level I'm sacrificing early retirement, which I've been working a long time, you know, is a goal I've been moving toward for a long time. I, I, you know, that alone wouldn't destroy my, my retirement opportunity. But if, if I were to succumb to that lifestyle decision, you know, and just do my kitchen, the rest of my house would look horrible. So I would need to upgrade, you know, the adjacent rooms. And once I did the hallway, I'd have to do the living room. And once I did the living room, I'd have to do the dining room. And it would just go on and on and on. Because w- once you upgrade one room, the other rooms pale in comparison. It's kind of this, it, it just seems like this never-ending cycle of uh, lack of contentment. I mean, I'm sure you can keep going and going and going, and there's really no end to it. Well, I don't know if it's lack of contentment. If, if I put in a, a $30,000 kitchen and I put my house up for sale and people come in, they would say, you know, wow, great kitchen. But in contrast, the rest of the house was a dump, you know, so it, you actually, you can't just do one room and expect to, to have that sell your house. It, it actually make the rest of your house look awful. Oh, for sure. And I do want to highlight the actual, I mean, home improvements are things that kind of stay in your home after you move, but I think it's also important to highlight kind of this shift towards, I mean, if there's an industry, whole industry of uh, furniture that you put in your, like stage for staging your home, that's a whole industry in itself. And I think the concept of staging your home for uh, a move can also get carried away as well. Well, I, I, I know I, I've I've read about this where people actually rent furniture to stage their home. And I, I think I would just as soon do that than actually in, invest in buying the furniture or, or the home improvement if I thought that might help me, you know, get more money selling my house. I, I It's not a horrible no, idea. No, but I, I agree with you that if you are going to go that route, I mean, make it a temporary solution and, and, rent, and rent the furniture so you're not making actual investments in... Uh, and things that are essentially not going to add that much return on the on the investment of your of the sale of your home. I actually read a, an article that where somebody did pay someone to stage their home, and that the, these people they bring in all the furnishings, and the people that made an offer on the home they wanted the furniture as oh, well. Oh, really? So it, it it well, I don't know for every room, but it, I, they they wanted some of the furniture, if not all of it. So it actually, it, it works. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I believe that. 
So, Trevor, I want to move on now to highlighting. We found three articles to really support the show. And so I'm let's let's jump into them. And there I think a lot of them were really surprising in what what was discussed within them. So the first article we're going to touch on is called Three Home Improvements You Shouldn't Make. The link for the show that article will be in our show notes as always. And I the, the article opens with um a kind of a categorization of home improvements. So they, they've categorized home improvements into four types. So I'll read the four types. Um, the first one is improvements to avoid if you plan to sell your home. Improvements to make if you plan to stay in your home. Improvements to make if you plan to sell your home. And the fourth one is invisible improvements. So I'll walk through what what has been classified within each of the four types of improvements. So the first one is improvements to avoid if you plan to sell your home. And these these are here just because the the article says that, quote, the return on investment on some projects is so low that you'll be left holding the bag for about half the cost. Yeah, this one was shocking. Oh, it is. You know, a, a, so a, one of them is a sunroom, and they have a cost of $75,000, which... Seems like a very expensive yeah. sunroom. But the return on investment is 48%. So basically half. I, I've always liked the idea of a sunroom, but this just goes to show you that it, it, it's it's the quote you said at the beginning. It's it's not how much you put into it. It's what someone's willing to pay for it that matters. And I, I, I thought when I first read this article, like 48%, that's, a, that's, a, that's about half. But like you said earlier in this episode, I mean, half, this is 48. It's a little less than half. So you're still losing money at the end of the day. Oh yeah, and and don't forget, you, I, I said this before. You you had to actually lay out the seventy five grand to get the sunroom. So even if you got the seventy five grand back, you're no further ahead financially. You didn't gain anything. But in this case, you're only getting half of that back. So you actually lost half. But of again, that. this uh, the sunroom ex- sunroom example is one to avoid if you plan to sell your home. So I mean, if you just moved into your home, you plan to stay there for ten years, and you want a sunroom, then and it fits your lifestyle, then make that then make that lifestyle decision and, and incur that lifestyle. Yes, expense. just like you did it's, with your with yeah. your um, sunken in uh, patio. It was it w- it was worth it for you because it benefited you and your family. So two of the other ones here. So um, home office remodel cost of that twenty nine thousand yeah, and only a forty eight percent return on investment. Well, the, you know, it doesn't really say what what's involved in the twenty. I mean, you could go, you know, crazy with business machines and things, but you know, the the home office thing, that was a, a trend when desktop computers were all the rage in the eighties, and and now with uh, tablets and laptops, I know more and more people that don't actually have a home office. They just sort of, you know, use their, their laptop or tablet at a desk or at a table. So I, I think this is be- going to become less and less of a return on investment as technology advances. And the last one, which, I mean, you tell me, but bathroom addition is a cost of $40,000 with a return on investment of 57%. So is that, what, they say to avoid that. So, so this is, is circumstance-based. If, if I have a house with one bathroom, a second bathroom, I'm guessing has almost 100% return you know, so to give the house two bathrooms. But if you have a house that has three bathrooms and you add one more, 
I would say the return on investment is maybe even lower than this. Because, I mean, people are going to look at them and think that's A, either a little excessive or B, that's one more thing I have to clean. So uh, the next category is improvements to make if you plan to stay in your home. So I think you could argue that a lot could fall under this category. Um, But the examples thrown in here are um, a family room, a garage, or a second-story addition. Um, Or, I like this one, is uh, converting unused areas like your attic or basement into living spaces. And this, if this expense is driven out of, you know, to satisfy the needs of your family, you know, meaning if you have an expanding family, you need more square footage to fit them into comfortably, then yeah, this is this is money well spent. I mean, this this is truly lifestyle expense because your lifestyle requires it. And and, and in order to keep your family there, you, you again maybe are are forced to make those decisions. You know, one of the things if you plan to stay in your home, so we looked at when we put in this patio for. I think I said it was $8,000. We looked at, you know, selling our house and moving to another house that maybe had more of a functional patio deck or something like that. And when you look at the transaction costs of moving, you know, real estate commission, uh, legal fees, uh, taxes, maybe you're going to pay movers. When you look at all that, I call that transaction costs of, of, you know, selling your house and buying a new one, you weigh that against the home improvement for lifestyle reasons. And maybe, you know, it's the same amount of money. So you, maybe you're better off to stay where you are. or Maybe it's, it's, it's even more expensive to move. So a lot of time for us, that was one of the considerations, you know, if we were to move, it's going to cost us this much to move, you know, to, to get a, a, a house layout that worked better for our family or we could invest that same money or maybe a little less into the, into our existing house. So we actually looked at, when we did that home improvement, we looked at it almost as a cost avoidance and in, in avoiding the cost of the transaction costs of moving. Do you believe now that that is a feature it, based on where you live that will look attractive when you do sell your home? Well, it'll only be attractive is if the exact same house, and there's probably a dozen of houses exactly like mine in my neighborhood, if one of those is for sale at the same time, or, you know, that the people looking at my house had, had were able to go through a house like like mine and and see that it didn't have it, and, and maybe when they're looking at the comparable pricing, you know, of what a house like mine sold for before, but it didn't have that door, it really depends if they value that feature or not. And they would have to have imagined the house without it, which is really hard to do. So you, you, sometimes you can't imagine it not there, so you can't appreciate the value it is adding. And that's the thing, because they, they will take the fact that that's there for granted, whereas when you and your wife added that on, it was, it was something that added so much value to your life. Uh, So the third category is improvements to make if you plan to sell. So there's a few listed here. And actually, one is a wood deck addition. Yeah, I I could see, you know, if if there wasn't a deck before and you add a deck, you know, I I, I agree with that 100%. But is that not like adding a patio to your home like you did? Well, I'm picturing a, 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 a sliding glass door at the back of a house with a step. And then versus you adding a deck, 
it's almost like you've put an, ad- an addition onto your house. I, I think for the money, I, I think a deck is a pretty good investment. The garage door is, is another one. And that one, I mean, if your house has a garage and, and it's got peeling paint on it or it's, it's kind of weathered, nothing makes a house look more run down than, than a, than a, a beat up garage door. So I, I think that's probably another one I'm going to do. So when I sell my house, I'm going to replace all the windows and that sounds crazy, but I, I really think people, there's an expectation that the windows are somewhat like, so, so I still have the builder windows in my house. I, I actually, I've replaced a couple, but most of them are, are still the original windows. And I just think for what it's going to cost me, people people tend to value windows, doors, uh, garage doors. That they tend to value those things, and I, I don't know that it really improves the functionality of the house. I think it it's just a marketing thing. Uh, wouldn't and this is our last uh, the last of the four categories, but wouldn't doors and windows categorize as invisible improvements? And and invisible improvements are described as. Um, updates that most buyers aren't willing to pay more for. No, I think the invisible improvements are like if you had a new roof put on your house. You know, pe- people expect a roof that doesn't leak. You know, that that's an expectation. If you have a furnace that pumps out heat, you know, so or, or an air conditioner now is kind of an expected feature. Is your so is, I is think, your are your windows leaky? Like, do they let do they let cold air in in the winter, or are they pretty functional? No, they seem pretty functional. I just think. Uh, windows and doors are is they kind of cross that that medium between functional and cosmetic and it just seems that uh, it, real estate agents tend to emphasize it I, I think there's a lot of focus on windows and doors maybe from a security standpoint and maybe they are a little more weather uh, energy efficient you know that, that that's a possibility but like I said like a front door and a garage door if those things look weathered it, it, it de- I think they actually devalue your home. So the next article I want to move on to is called 12 Home Renovations That Don't Always Increase Your Property's Value. And I'll run through all 12. And Trevor, I'll just get your, your take on each one and if you agree with the author's stance. So the first one is forcing your view on what the property should look like. You know, a good example of this is I remember looking at houses where people knocked out walls to to sort of eliminate a dining room to make th- this monst- mon- monstrous kitchen, you know, this kitchen that just went on forever, and th- so the home had a living room and and a this eating kitchen that could could you could seat twenty four people at it, it was so big, and and to achieve that big kitchen they knocked out the the wall between the kitchen and the dining room, and so that person who owned that house and made that renovation or that home improvement, they valued a big kitchen. So somebody else might come along and they really enjoy a formal dining room and they actually have a formal dining room table and, and, and cabinet and they, they will not, they, they have nowhere to put their dining room table so that, that house is not, not appealing to them. So I, I think if you're making home improvements, you need to think of the sort of the broad base, you know, what would most people like? If you're doing it, for the purpose of selling, I was gonna home. say. I mean, if, if again, if it's your home, you want to, you have the luck, you own it, you have, you have the luxury to make the changes that you want to make. The next one is focusing only on kitchen and bathroom renovations. 
Yeah, so I, I'm not somebody who really appreciates a, a, a fancy kitchen. You know, I kind of suggested that here on, on the sh- this show. Uh, I, I can I can appreciate a fancy kitchen, but I personally don't desire one or, or it's not something I'm willing to pay for. And I, I think there's an overemphasis on, on kitchens and bathrooms having this great return on investment. And I, I just don't think it's there. Because if we go back to the whole preference thing again, if you walked into, I mean, if there's this astronomical price tag and you walk in and it's because of the maybe bathroom and kitchen, that wouldn't really wow you as, and you wouldn't, the price tag wouldn't be worth it for you. Well, and, and I just think if all you have is fancy kitchen and bathroom, the rest of your house, if you if you didn't address the rest of it, it's going to look even worse. So it's kind of an all or nothing thing where you kind of have to be in the home improvement game or not. And I think, again, that, that just depends on your lifestyle. The third point is doing renovations that lead to property overpricing. And and you kind of already touched on this point already by by doing things to your home that really do, doesn't match the uh, demographic and the in the environment of your your neighborhood. Well, at the end of the day, your house has a has a market price range. You know, it, it is going to sell in this price range. And, and people are going to look at comparables when they, when they're looking at making an offer on your home. And if you've invested you know, $80,000 into home improvements. And, and you, I don't think you can stand back and expect, you know, $60,000 more than a comparable home, at least not in the town I live in. The fourth point is focusing on value-added things that are universally appreciated by, by everyone. So the example in this one is, again, a swimming pool. Yeah, I mean, if you focused on if you're not focusing on things like if your house where I live in my, if you don't, if you don't have air conditioning, so if you put in a pool and you don't have air conditioning, I think that hurts your home value, the value of your home. Where I live, the expectation is you have an air conditioner. The fifth of 12 uh, home renovations that don't always increase your property's value is not knowing when to stop upgrading. And this is really, this this is the epitome of, of knowing the value of your home. And a good thing to do, there's a thing called MPAC. I think it's MPAC.ca. And it's a, it's a place you can go. It's a government website. And you can check what homes, not what they listed for, but what they actually sold for, which is more important. A lot of people, you look at what a house listed for, and, and it, you know, it, it they it's listed at an outrageously high price and, and offers come in much lower and it actually sells for a lower price. This is a site where you can go see what they actually sell, what they actually sold for. And you should be, you know, using that as, as a, as a guide as to how much you should invest into home improvements to sell your home from that perspective only. Like, you know, is this, is this home improvement going to fetch me the, the dollars I want? And again, I, I can't stress this. If you spent $20,000 in home improvements, you actually parted with $20,000. And so if you did get $20,000 more for your house, it's still a zero-sum game. So from a from a investment, return on investment standpoint, the, the re, if you were able to recoup 100% of your home improvement investment, you still you, you didn't gain any money at the end of the day. This next one, I'm going to mash two together, but it's just essentially not hiring a professional to do the job. Yes and no. So 
I, I think there's things that where a professional just has the right tools. And a lot of times the professional contractor can get the materials cheaper than you can. And that's, that somewhat offsets the cost of their labor. But there's certain things that, that I, I think uh, I, I can tell when it's been done by a pro. And, and I can tell when it's been done by somebody who's been learning on the job. And, you know, if it was their first try at putting up trim, you know, baseboards, you know, or, or door trim, you know, I, I know what my first crack looked at it, and, and I've got a lot better at it, but I, I also know what it looks like when a builder puts it up, and, and, you, and you can spot it a mile away. Another one here is overspending on expensive add-on enhancements. So one of the examples here is putting in uh, extensive additional landscaping or adding garden parks or, or those rock fountains things to your yard or, or home that that look maybe pretty but actually have a lot of uh, annual maintenance costs and, and really really need a lot of time devoted to maintain. Well, I, when I was shopping for the house I'm in right now, I remember and maybe it's still the craze, but it was really the craze then, was these uh, ponds with water fountains. And and they were all sorts of un- unique and creative designs for them and that you could buy sort of pre-done ones or make your own. And I looked at those in, in thinking, okay, i got to winterize this thing. i probably got to put chemicals in it to keep it clean and, and stop it from turning into a swamp. And... I just saw it as work, you know, effort. And I could appreciate the look of it, but I, I wasn't I wasn't prepared to put out the 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 work to maintain it. Even if I it, it, it's a new skill I'd have to learn a new a new job I'd have to take on. So it it was actually a deterrent for me whenever I saw a, a pond or garden or some sort of unique landscape that I would get I would have to work at constantly. You know, another one, I, I do not have a green thumb, neither does my wife, but the house we moved into it it was everywhere was just these uh, perennial gardens. These are the the type of flowers that come back every year, and they sort of flower at different times. And if you don't know your flowers, I mean, at certain times of the year they just look like weeds, and and you start pulling them, and then you realize, oh, I've just pulled out some perennial flowers, and a lot of them that they sort of manifest and they multiply year after year. So there's there's a lot of maintenance to a perennial garden. It sounds, they market it like it's, you know, plant it once and you're done, but there's actually a lot of work to it. And the last one we're going to touch on, I, I we've skipped over a few here and there, but the last one that I think is an important point is spending too much on materials and too little on craftsmanship. Yeah, this is, this goes back to hiring a, a professional contractor for certain jobs. Uh, you know, one other reason you would hire a contractor. So I had a, a, a bath, here's a, a home repair we did is, we had a, a tub that was leaking, and so we had the tub uh, replaced. And, and then when you do that, the all the tiled tubs around had to be replaced because it kind of gets destroyed when you pull the tub out. And I had three young children, and I was working a full-time job, and, and my my wife was working sort of part-time from home. And I thought, okay, I can try to do this myself, and I'll be without my main bathroom for you know a month if I go at this thing just steady. Or I can pay somebody to do this and it, it can be done in a week. And looking back, I'm glad I paid someone to do it because that bath- bathroom was, was up and running in, in no time and, and it didn't take away from any family time. And I, I think sometimes you're just, you're better to pay somebody. I want to move on to now talking about probably maybe the 
I think the most key part of this episode, because we're a personal finance podcast, so let's bring the actual kind of money side into it. And when I was uh, when I was preparing for this episode, Trevor searched for some articles, and, and then I did the same thing. And I did a quick search of, I just typed into Google, home improvements versus home repairs. And the whole first page of Google, and I was, I was astonished, was filled with how to finance your home improvements. And, and I mean, I, I think that's a cr- the crazy that a whole page, that was, the, that was the first search result for home improvements was how to finance this. Yeah, so we talked about, you know, home improvements, you know, being a lot, being a, a lifestyle decision and a lifestyle expense. But this, the, the, the problem with that is a lot of people, they, they convince themselves it's an investment. And if, if, they're, if they're doing this improvement in their home, they're investing in their home. So it's okay to borrow money against the equity in my home to do this. But we've quoted a whole bunch of things where if you can get 60% back on your home improvement, then that that's considered a, a pretty good return in the, in the world of home improvements. So you're actually you're you're borrowing money against your home that that's maybe financed over amortized over twenty five years to finance you know part of that's financing lifestyle, but you've borrowed the money over twenty five years to finance part of your life, and that that that's just that's crazy that that. And a lot of times people are just spinning the wheels. They'll, they'll, they'll work hard at you know, paying down their mortgage to build up some equity and then they'll go get their home equity line of credit and drain that back down to put in a new kitchen or a new bathroom and they're right back where they were five, maybe 10 years ago. And it just... And so I know some people that they, they did this their whole life. This is an older couple I know. They did home renovations like like nobody's business. I mean, they they re they did improvements on top of improvements. And if a kitchen in their house was ten years old, it was done, and they needed a new one. And I can only imagine they they were using home equity lines of credit to do it. And so they reached the point where they wanted to retire. But as you would guess, they if they, they keep borrowing against their equity, they still have a mortgage, and they're trying to retire. These people now live in an apartment. They rent an apartment. And again, I don't know their personal story, but I can only think that they're they're renting an apartment in their retired years because the home improvements was an addiction they couldn't control. And and like we always say in this podcast too, if you if you're ever financing lifestyle with credit, you need to stop and reevaluate things. But this is even worse. You're financing lifestyle with credit that's amortized over 25 years. That's, that's, that's crazy. That is actually, and you know how I think this is justified in, in many people's minds is that, oh, it's, it's, it's going to, because we all, again, like you said at the beginning of this episode, we, we always, we, we look at our net worth as, and we include our home in that, in that number. So when it comes to well, our home, well, people pe- are willing to do whatever it takes to increase the so-called value of their home. When, in, like we're discussing this episode, a lot of the things that people think are increasing the value of their home just aren't. So the return just isn't there. Well, maybe it did. So they, they borrowed money against their home, on a home equity line of credit to put in a $30,000 kitchen. And if they were to sell their house the day after the kitchen got, went in, they... Then, then maybe that was an investment. Maybe they do recoup some of that money. But if they continue to live in that house and use that kitchen for another 10 years, 
that is pure expense, lifestyle expense. That, that is, the investment is, is gone and used up. It's no longer a new kitchen 10 years later, but you borrowed against your, your, the equity in your home to put that kitchen in. And I can't stress, I, I'm not against home improvements. I just, you just have to know it's primarily a lifestyle decision. And that I, that I think to underscore it too, that it doesn't always, or maybe in, in rarely equals uh, an increase on, the, on how much you can get for your home when you sell it. Oh, yeah, I, absolutely. I really think, and like, I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm not quite ready to buy my first home, but in my mind, that is, I mean, that's that's what is perpetuated on HGTV and and all those shows like that that on that network is that oh this will increase the value of your home and you can and I, I'm sure you've heard this quote quoted by profession by uh, actors and and hosts on shows that oh doing this will increase the value of your home and it's it's just common say. But if it does increase the value of your home, and if it does, if it increases it dollar for dollar, so if you put $25,000 into a home improvement, and you're fortunate enough for it to increase your house value by $25,000, well, I, I said it before, you, you part it with $25,000, and you hope to recoup $25,000 when you sell your house. The only gain is you get to enjoy that improvement, but if you enjoy it for too long or too much, your chances of recouping it become less and less. Which kind of takes away the whole home aspect of a place where you live. Exactly, yeah. And I think if more people looked at their home, their their houses as homes and, and, and you know, wanted to create a safe, comfortable environment and rather than a showpiece, something... It, there's better ways there's 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 better investment tools for your money to, to grow like like a an index fund I, i'm not an investment expert but I, I i think there's better returns out there than than real estate oh i i completely agree and we talk about that all the time how the emphasis on uh, on home ownership is is sometimes uh, overemphasized and i think i think it's important that we highlight that point today I, 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 we've talked a, we talked a lot about home improvement, but I want to boil it down now to what really motivates people to, and I say this with all seriousness, but to lose their minds on home improvements. I, I think it's the, you know, they, they may feel embarrassed of their, you know, their lack of, of home improvements. It, it, and, and if, if you feel that way, it, it wouldn't just be in your home. Like, if you're embarrassed to drive an older car, you're probably embarrassed to, you know, have an older kitchen. You know, I, I think it it probably all goes hand in hand. So we, we've kind of talked about falling, falling into the trap of home improvements. How can someone really just avoid this trap altogether? You know, I my sister-in-law and her husband, they have built, lived in, and sold. They're on their third home. And they, they are what I call creative and resourceful. They seem to be able to strike the right balance between having a professional do things and doing things themselves. They don't build extravagant homes. They build practical homes. When you're building a home or having a home built, you could get carried away with, with upgrades, which are in, in essence home improvements at the very beginning. 
but they seem to be able to keep their heads on and, and get it done. So it looks, it looks nice. It, it, obviously they, they sold two houses, so they, they obviously know what they're doing. People, people like what they've done and they seem to not lose their minds on home improvements. And I, I think I applaud them in that to be caught up in the, they obviously go to these home centers to get whatever it is they need when they're building these houses to pick things out. I applaud them for not going there and losing their minds like like a lot of people do. And I, I think they have remarkable restraint and focus to do this now for the third time. And I would I would live in any of the houses they've built and finished in a, in a heartbeat. And they're very strategic in where they build it and I just think they have it figured out. Wow, that uh, they sound. That's that's their story is incredible. I mean, that'd be that'd be a excellent podcast to have them on here and, and to share their story of how they make that work. Because I mean, that's not easy. You hear so many stories of people starting to build a home and not finishing it, but to complete three and and be successful at it like that. That I we need them on here. Oh no, you say to building homes and not finishing it i think i know of a lot of people that built homes and lost their minds on on upgrades and things they've done to it but i i I would i'm gonna approach them i'd love to have them on to tell the story you know what's their formula how do they how do they view home improvements from a building a house perspective i I think it would be interesting to see you know what their formula is for success for sure what we're talking about uh, really uh, kind of avoiding the trap of home improvements. I I think another kind of area to highlight within that realm is the idea of renting. Well, you know, so if you have an addiction to home improvements and you cannot control yourself and if if you just look at, you walk into a room and all you see is possibilities, you know, the things this room could be, you know, one way out of that is to rent, you know, that if, if you rent a property, chances are you're, you're, you're in no position to do home improvements. I mean, even even if you wanted to sort of spend your money on somebody else's property, the landlord might might not permit it. So it, it's one way if you have a an addiction that it is driving you into financial ruins. You know, if you're in that position and you you can't correct yourself, then, then renting could be the solution. And to flip it on its head, if if you start out by renting and th- there's there's some things you'd like to change, but can it might show you um, to, to to what extent, what what kind of home you want, and and what maybe you'd want to alter to it, and and how much you'd want to 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 change it. So it can also, I think, starting by renting and then 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 owning your home, I think, is also a valuable way to approach things as well. Well, I, I think every uh, newly new couple, I'll say married couple. That I would strongly advise not to, you know, get into a relationship and go straight into home ownership, and then you know maybe be stared in the face with home improvements. That puts a lot, a lot of strain. I mean, there's going to be a lot of disagreements on 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 things you want to upgrade and don't want to upgrade. I, I would highly recommend that you you know avoid the strain on the relationship and start out renting, and, and get to know your partner first. You know, before you're getting to know them and their flair for home improvements and, and renovations. No, oh, I, I could not agree more. It's a, it's a great, a great, a great piece of advice. And I think something that, again, because there's so much stress on your relationships, that why add 
um, home improvements as, as one of them. So that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you so much for joining us this week as we talked about home improvements. If you haven't checked out our Facebook or Instagram page, definitely check that out. I make sure to post in there during the week. It's at Simple Money Solutions um, on both Facebook and Instagram. So you can follow us, uh, comment, share with us. And you can also contact us through our direct messages there as well instead of sending us an email. Whatever's better for you if you ever want to reach out to us with, um, with show suggestions or how... Um, you've applied anything you've learned with our episodes or, or, or anything like that. We love hearing from you. So don't be afraid to reach out until next week. Keep it simple.